0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Once again, I want to thank you for joining us on the program. I trust trust you tuned in last week as we laid the foundation a little bit uh, for talking about the beast, and the man of sin, and we talked about uh, the beast of Revelation, and we're going to talk about him a whole lot more uh, in the coming weeks. Because last week what we did was we set the stage by showing you that when you reduce all of this to the lowest common denominator, that number one in chapter 12 of the book of Revelation, the dragon is the one who gives his authority to the beast. What I showed you is no matter who this uh, this, this, if you will, uh, personal. Uh, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? This, this, this personal manifestation of this beast in Revelation. What he really corresponds to is the depravity of the lowest of fallen humanity. Adam was a six-day man. Uh, he was a six, if you will. He was fallen. He was not a seven, 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 which is the number of perfection. He was a six in his spirit, a six in his soul, and a six in his body. He was the epitome and totality of fallen humanity. What we see is depicted, as we will historically see this fulfilled in Nero, is that Nero is the, uh, he's the totality or the embodiment, if you will, of this evil as he is manifested uh, uh, to try to, uh, in chapter 12 of the book of Revelation, persecute the woman and her seed. Uh, But the good news is, is, you know, see, what most people's Bible, as far as they're concerned, ends in the Revelation 13 with the coming of the beast and his mark. It really does not end with the coming of the beast. It ends with the triumph of Christ over that, the triumph of his people over the beast, over the number of his name. And they stand upon a sea of glass having the harps of God, and they have the victory over the image, over His number, over His mark. And they stand on top of the sea of glass with the victory over the beast. Now, uh, they sang the song of Moses in Revelation 15, too, And the song of Moses was the song that they sang as soon as they came up out of the Red Sea. And uh Uh, they sang the Song of Moses. And the writer of the New Testament gets a hold of that and said that even as they were baptized into the sea under Moses, so when they were baptized, and that was a picture of water baptism, when they were baptized into the sea, the same water that saved them destroyed the whole Egyptian army. And so what I'm simply saying is when we identify with the death of Christ, his burial, and his resurrection, we immediately have the victory over this dragon. We have immediately the victory over this beast. We immediately have victory over the number of his name. And uh, we, we can sing the song of Moses that said the horse and his rider has been thrown into the sea because then we identify with what Revelation 12 said. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony. So our identification with the work of Jesus is what has freed us from that bondage. The only, listen, I'm really not worried about, I'm just going to be real frank with you. I'm really not worried about, uh, you know, a man of sin coming to the White House or some other world leader. You know, today, just today on Facebook, I read five different interpretations of who somebody thought was this beast or this Antichrist that's either coming? And I have seen for years. Uh, go back and check the books out of people you know that I believe are well-meaning that have so many times missed it when they thought when they thought Sadat was the Antichrist, when they thought Begin was the Antichrist, when they thought Gorbachev was because he had that mark on his head, when they thought Ronald Reagan was because he had six letters in each name, when they thought Tony Blair was, they thought uh, uh, that Saddam Hussein was the Antichrist. They think. Tony Blair was, from Bill Clinton to uh, Barack Obama. We continually keep on trying to connect this to some future antichrist. And let me say first of all then that it's really the man of sin or the antichrist you need to deal with is not in the White House. It might have been in your house. And the deal is, is it's not who's in the White House or who's in any house that takes us to heaven or hell. And whoever takes the mark of the beast, uh, you know, ends up, uh, um, you know, whoever receives his mark is cast alive into the lake of that burns with fire and brimstone. And so uh, it's not a mark physically uh, uh, that's on my head or my hand that's going to take me to some future hell. What the deal is talking about there is he's talking about uh, not just somebody coming to a White House that can force that kind of a thing on you. I mean, they could tattoo you all over your body. But if there's not a change in your own spirit and your own heart, what, you're, what, what depends on whether you go to heaven or hell depends on whether you believe Jesus is the Son of God, and you've received the forgiveness of sin and the abundance of grace. Now, uh, with that being said, uh, you know, I believe that there's still sometimes an ongoing battle with the impulses of the flesh, especially in fallen humanity. But with the new covenant, there comes a new man And with that new man, in other words, there is no longer two natures living inside of you. The moment you got born again, you were regenerated. And the moment you went down into the waters of baptism, the beast that lived inside of you was cast into, if you will, a bottomless pit, which is also translated as sea in the Scriptures, especially through the book of Revelation. That's how you get rid of him, is you identify with the death of Jesus. Now let me come back and 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 talk about and let me just say real encouraging, real quick. And I'll put this up on the screen. But I wrote this little book in 1993 before I understood a lot of the historic value uh, of the Book of Revelation. But in this particular book, it will describe a whole lot of this what I call the basic common denominator of the sin nature of the fallen Adam who was a six in his spirit, a six in his soul, and a six in his body. And, uh, you know, uh, the bottom line is the temple of God is right here. Who are you allowing to (laughs) live in this house? Either Jesus lives here, either the Lord has come into his temple, or the man of sin is sitting in the temple. And I just happen to believe that The man that's sitting in my temple is the Lord Himself. And when He comes into His temple, God is in His holy temple, let all the earth, which speaks to me, of flesh and dust and the realm of Adam's fallenness, the meat which Satan feeds on. So, you know, let me just say this again and and develop just just a little bit further before I go into uh, the historic part of it. Uh, You know, uh, my wife is, is, uh, is a great cook, but we live in the country and so a lot of times when supper is finished what's left over out of the scraps my wife would put over in the woods and she would just throw out the scraps Uh, what we began to notice was that dogs from all over the neighborhood began to converge upon that particular parcel of woods about a certain time of the day, because they knew about what time we had supper, and they were going to check the woods for, you know, something to feed on. And they were looking for what was the leftovers of what fell from our tables, if you will. Uh, and so I would, they got so bad that the dogs would be in the yard, and my yard was a mess, my tires on my car were a mess, my porch was a mess. And I thought, man, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to get rid of these dogs somehow. And so I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll get a pile of rocks and I'll throw it at these dogs. I won't hit the dogs, but I will throw the rocks at these dogs. And so they would come in my yard and I would throw the rock and I'd holler, get out of here, you stupid dogs going out. And I would yell and I would chase them and I, I did everything. And I man, one day when I was throwing rocks at those dogs and chasing them, the Lord said to me, that's how my church is with the devil. You know, uh, what you do is you try to chase the devil off out, out by rebuking him and throwing rocks at him, and you're trying to chase him out of the yard. And the Lord said to me, you're going to have to get rid of what he feeds on if you're going to get him to quit coming back. And to me, that's such a powerful concept because some of us feed him so good. Well, what does he eat? Well, according to Genesis, he eats dust. He eats the dust of the earth. Well, the dust of the earth... Adam was made from the dust of the ground. So his feeding ground is fallen humanity some of us must have fed him pretty good because he grows from a snake in the grass and Genesis 1 2 and 3 to a great red dragon by the time you get to chapter 12 I suggest to you that we have begun to put him on a diet because especially for the believer there is no two natures in us there is only one and according to the book of revelation chapter 12 he said rejoice you heavens and you that dwell in them and then the last segment I told you how that Ephesians 1 verse 3 said and blessed be the god and father Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath, that's past tense, made us sit together with him in the heavenly. The word places is in italics, which means it's not in the original language. Who hath made us sit together with him in the heavenly Christ Jesus. So if you are seated in Christ, you are seated in the heavenly. And if you are seated in the heavenly, you are far above all principalities and powers and mights and dominions. And I'm going to tell you the book of Daniel prophesied and said that there would come a time uh, after the 42 months of times, times, and a half of times, where the kingdom and the dominion would be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, that he would be worn out for a season, but that the people, the saints of the Most High God, would receive the kingdom and the power and the dominion. I suggest to you that happened from 66 A.D. to 70 A.D., and that we now have emerged with the power over the beast and authority, and I'm telling you, it's time that we continue to operate in the authority and power of the Holy Spirit to absolutely, hallelujah, keep this satanic power bound in this bottomless pit. If you remember last week, I shared with you how the sea, the word sea, is the same word that we translate abyss or pit in several places in the Scripture. And so what, keep, what cast him into the sea, if you remember, I shared with you how that when the The children of Israel came out of Egypt into the Promised Land. They crossed the Red Sea. A lot of places in the Scripture, it kind of uh, makes reference to that Red Sea crossing as as the sea being a bottomless pit, or a pit, if you will, but the same water. I love this. The same water that destroyed the uh, Egyptian army, the whole Egyptian army, is the same water that saved them. They came through the waters and the, the enemy was destroyed and the, the water closed about them and saved them. So the, when we go down into the waters of baptism, we are identifying with the death of who we were in Adam. We have cut off the food source To this dragon who eats dust, who feeds on sand, who feeds on the dust of our fallenness. Can I say it like this? Put him on a diet and he'll quit bothering you. Resist the devil. Submit. Here's the key. Submit yourself therefore to God. That's the first key. Resist the devil and he will flee from you because he seeks whom he may devour. If you play around in the realm of the dust, if you play around in the dirt of Adam's fallenness, uh, you are serpent's meat. You are food and fodder for him. And you can chase him all you want to just like those dogs that used to live uh, down at my house. I, you could, Listen, what I began to realize was that I could get people some temporary relief by laying hands on them by casting out devils, by rebuking the devil, by taking authority over him. But the only way you're going to have long-term results is when you quit feeding him so well. See, those dogs quit coming to my house when I quit putting food out for them. And so, you know, I think, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I, I, even sometimes the American church is, is like a meat market parade of dust, of flesh, of Adam's fallenness, and we wonder why we have uh, we have spirits operating sometimes. But I believe, uh, according to the Scripture, that Satan has been bound. And I believe that, you know, like I said in, a, in an earlier segment, I believe the thousand-year millennium is not somewhere in our future. I believe we've been in that millennial reign of Christ where Satan is bound with a great chain. But I believe uh, what is is—it continues to keep him bound, and the authority has been handed— to The believers, because when Jesus gave authority to his believers to cast out devils, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, and they came back and reported to Jesus, and they said to him, Even the devils are subject to us, uh, and uh, the sick are healed, and the dead are raised. And Jesus says to them, And I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. It is the authority of the believer that keeps him cast out, it is the authority of the believer that keeps him chained, it is the authority of of the believer that Jesus said, then rejoice, uh, not just because you've got power and authority over devils, but rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And in the book of Revelation chapter 13, it said, all will wonder after the beast whose names are not written in the book of the life of the Lamb. So the believers are the ones whose names' natures are written in the book of the life and the Lamb. Uh, For the believer, the battle's over. You say, well, you know, I don't have time to really develop that like I'd like to, so I won't even open that can of worms. But I'm just trying to tell you that the lowest common denominator of uh, the book of Revelation, and then we're going to see how it was unraveled and specifically fulfilled and personified in the life of Nero, but it is the dragon who gives him power, and it is the fallenness of Adam, or if you will, the man of sin, or uh, the man of dust, and let me say as well, because I know somebody's probably watching me, who says, well, no, 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 the man of sin is, is totally different than the beast of revelation. And yes, uh, there is a historic fulfillment of the man of sin. It was probably either a man by the name of John Levi, or it was Nero. Nevertheless, either one of them find their fulfillment in the book of Thessalonians, relevant to the people of the church of Thessalonica because Paul says, it is no need that I write to you the times and seasons, brethren, because you know perfectly that that day will not come until there comes a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed. He was talking about something that was relevant to that people. And there was a great falling away as many of them were going back to Judaism and they were going back up under the law and they were going back up uh, to putting, if you will, the weapon right back in the hands of the enemy because the weapon that we, that, that Satan uses against us is the weapon of accusation and condemnation. When Jesus destroyed him and disarmed him, according to Colossians chapter 2, he disarmed principalities and powers In that context, the weapon he took from him was the handwriting of ordinance that was against us. It was the law of the Mosaic system. Uh, I'm telling you that the seed of the woman triumphs. The end of the whole victory, before we even get into unpacking a lot of this, one of the things that I want to clearly declare to you is that the Bible said the beast will make war with the lamb. But the Lamb will overcome him, for he is King of kings and Lord of lords, and that he triumphs in victory over this beast. And he does much of it with the sword of his mouth, which is the word of God. And so to me, when you see uh, the sword of the word of God, uh, you see... uh, uh, when you see the sword, of the Word of God, you see the Word of God being preached. Let me see if I can find it uh, real quickly. I, I don't know if I can find it real quickly or not in my notes, but uh, uh, there was a, a place that I, I just saw this weekend as I was looking at the Word of God, where uh, Jesus comes and he is speaking to, um, he's speaking to uh, Peter, and he said, "Who do men say that I am?" And Peter says, "Well, some say that thou art the Christ." Let me see; it's probably not in this one. Uh, uh, but uh, I can't, I've got so many notes here, I can't find it in my notes real quickly. But let me, let me, let me say it. Uh, here it is. Matthew 16, verse number uh, 13 through 20. It said, When Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, What are people saying about who the Son of Man is? And they replied, Some think He is John the Baptizer. Some say Elijah, or some Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And He pressed them. Jesus speaking now, and he he says, and he pressed him, and how about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus came back and said, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of the books, out of books or from teachers. My Father in heaven, God himself let you in on the secret of who I really am. And now, and listen, this this really caught my attention. And now, I'm going to tell you who you really are. Now, I love this. I'm going to tell you who you really are. You are Peter, a rock that is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open and open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, and earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven. A no on earth is a no in heaven. And he swore to the disciples to secrecy. He made them promise they would tell no man that he was the Messiah. This is so incredible to me, because I'm still talking about authority, keeping Satan bound. You know, the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom is given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Psalm 8 said, When I consider the heavens, the moon, the stars, the works of your fingers, What is man that you are mindful of him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and po- power, but you gave him dominion. You gave it to man. So God's authority has been handed over to the people of the Most High God. And what, what he said, Whatever you bind on earth, is bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth has been loosed in heaven. the The, the message Bible says, "I'm going to give you kingdom keys, or the keys of the kingdom, and uh, they open and uh, they they open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, and earth and heaven. A yes on on earth is a yes in heaven." And a no on earth is a no in heaven. It's a power of agreement when we come into agreement with what heaven already said to us in the finished work. Two things here that's powerful to me. The kingdom of God and the keys that unlock the kingdom are really very simple. A revelation of who Jesus is. Who do men say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So the first revelation we have to have is a revelation of Jesus Christ in the fullness of his person and in his work and the authority that he triumphed. Thou art the Christ. You're the one that all the prophets prophesied about that was coming to bring the kingdom to us. So the first dimension is Peter had a God-given, not a man taught or a book read, but a God-given revelation of who Jesus really is. The greatest need on the planet today is that God would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation into the knowledge of Him. The eyes of our understanding being flooded with light. God giving to us, if you will, a revelation of who He is, not only over somewhere in the blue sky, but who He is in us And then he turns around and says, not only uh, do you need a revelation of who I am, but he looks at Peter and he says, now I'm going to tell you who you are. You're a rock. And can I tell you, I believe what God's releasing in this hour is a revelation of who you are. And the moment you know who you are in Christ, you will never again have a demonic spirit or an Adam nature rule or dominate you. You will do exactly what Colossians says. The Amplified Bible says, I believe it is in chapter 3, So kill, deaden, and deprive of power the animal impulses that are lurking in your members. The authority of Christ in you and through you and who you are in him are the revelation upon which the church is built. It is the revelation upon whom the gates of hell will not prevail against. No dragon, no sea monster, no demonic spirit, no Adamic nature ruling or being king. Jesus is king and Jesus is king, not just over there. Jesus is king right here. That's so powerful to me. And I just want to encourage you. Probably I'm speaking to somebody right now. This, this, this ought to be just really good news. Because I believe that God is really raising up a people right now in the earth that are beginning to come back to this original line of thinking. I sometimes think that when it talks about Satan being loosed for a little season uh, in the latter part of Revelation, it's because the church has become weakened in its theology that there's any kind of operation at all of demonic activity. I believe we still have power to bind on earth what's been bound in the heavens, to loose on the earth what's been loosed in the heavens. And what loosens and binds that is a revelation of who Jesus is in His finished work, and it is a revelation of who we are. Uh, my, no wonder there's such a powerful release going on in the planet coming from all kinds of directions of knowing who you are in Christ, your identity. I love how uh, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, I believe it is chapter 3, it says this in the Message Bible. It says, for if the government of condemnation was glorious, how about this? this government of affirmation. So the old covenant told you what you were not, and the new covenant tells you who you are. I think it's incredible that when Jesus hears John the Baptist preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and John saying, the kingdom is at hand, it is within your grasp, and Jesus is literally baptized into the, into the Jordan River. He comes up out of, the, out of the, uh, the river Jordan and the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove. And his father speaks out of heaven one of the most powerful words of affirmation. He said, this is my son and whom I am well pleased. And immediately Jesus is driven by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. But it is in that wilderness that Jesus knows his identity because he's always, he's continually being tested by the devil. If you be the Son of God, command these stones to be turned to bread. If you be, cast yourself down. If you be this... What Jesus probably did was turn around and said to the devil, evidently you didn't just hear what my father said about me when I came up out of the river Jordan. Because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the word that just proceeded up out of the mouth of God when Jesus came up out of the waters is, this is my son and whom I'm well pleased. I came to tell you that you've been accepted in the beloved. And if you are in that one son, you've got the same authority. And immediately when Jesus absolutely embraces his identity, cannot be shaken from his identity, immediately the devil leaves him. Can you see the devil is completely bound from ever dealing with him? He he leaves him. And when Jesus comes up out of that wilderness, he comes up in the power of the Spirit And immediately he starts healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils. I'm telling you, the moment we go down in the waters of baptism and we come up, we are affirmed as the father, as a son, and we have the same power and authority to tread on serpents and scorpions we have the power and authority to heal the sick to raise the dead and to cast out devils freely you've received freely give we are about to run out of time but i believe god wants to empower believers if you're enjoying what we're saying let's just take a moment to call that number on the screen sow a seed into the ministry it is you our faithful partners that enable us to continue to do television and we are breaking new ground and we are making headway if you'd like to be part of that please get behind us uh, help us to do that. We, we covet your prayers. Uh, tell your friends about us. Help us to catch on. We're just so enjoying uh, when we travel meeting many of you. But call that number on the screen and so seed into the ministry. God bless you. Thanks for joining us again this week. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.